Mercy Hill family. It's so good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, and also, uh, everyone online, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, it is uh, wonderful to hear the, the rain on the steel roof. It reminds me of going down to my grandmother's house when I was little. Uh, but please try to stay awake. I know for me, I hear that, that dribble-drabble on the, on the tin roof, and I want to go to sleep. And so I'm going to do my best to keep you engaged. So my name is Perry. As, as Wayne had said, uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the, the, um, the blessing uh, of being able to um, read God's Word today uh, and really hopefully get out of, of the way of what God has to say to us um, from His Word. Um, so uh, for those of you that are, are joining us, we're walking through Exodus, and we have been uh, for quite some time. Um, and uh, last week, we actually got to hear the, the song of praise and worship that Moses led after being delivered through the Red Sea. Um, before that, we, we saw how God continues to fight for his people in conquering the Egyptians and delivering them through the Red Sea. Uh, and so today, uh, we land at the beginning, really, of their journey. Um, and so we're going to be reading Exodus 15, 22 through 27. If you want to go ahead and turn there. Now, I'll be reading from the CSB, so I don't want to confuse anybody if you've got a different version. Um, but I will tell you again that this uh, translation, as of late, has kind of been where I've been landing in. Um, and it has been very uh, rich for me. Uh, and so before we, we dive into the scripture for today, let me pray uh, before we get started. Father God, we thank you for this time, Lord, that we get to uh, come together to hear your word, uh, Lord, to lift your name up in praise, uh, Lord, to remind us of just how amazing you are, God. Uh, that the creator of the universe would care so deeply for each and every one of us. Lord, that you would knit us in our, in, in our mother's womb and you would set out to know us deeply and to call us to your family and adopt us in. Lord, remind us of that as we dive into your word today. Lord, I ask that uh, you speak through me uh, the words that you uh, want for us to be encouraged by, Lord, and to stir our hearts. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. And so we begin... In Exodus 15, 22, 27. So again, the Israelites have gone through the Red Sea. They've just spent time worshiping God, 
singing his praises, and it's starting in 22. Then Moses led Israel on from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur. They journeyed for three days in the wilderness without finding water. They came to Marah, but they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. That is why it is called Marah. The people grumbled to Moses, what are we going to drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he threw it into the water, the water became drinkable. The Lord made a statue and an ordinance for them at Mar, and he tested them there. He said, if you will carefully obey the Lord your God, do what is right in his sight, pay attention to his commands, and keep all of his statutes, I will not inflict any illness on you that I inflicted on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where they were 20 springs and 70 date palms, and they camped there by the water. And so we see that in just three days of traveling without water, the Israelites began to grumble. And Moses cries out to the Lord. So really, I've got three points today that I want to dive into in this, uh, this story. And I will tell you, this is not a, a, uh, a chunk of the Bible that a whole lot of people preach on. That's why I love how we pick a book of the Bible and we go through and we preach verse by verse. Because we get these rich stories that when you're just trying to find a topic to preach on, uh, this may not be the first one that you would stumble upon. And so in this, though, we get to really hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he points to that. So the first point I want to to talk about is and challenge us is be like Moses and what I mean by that is the Israelites begin to grumble and what does Moses do he cries out to the Lord so he goes to the Lord in prayer right then and right there now I think of myself and how many times I get in the way of God and I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, if I were leading this group of ragtag individuals across the desert, first off, if we've only gone three days without water, I would have said, buck it up. Come on, guys, we can make it a little bit longer. But what I probably also would have done is, what do we need to do? Let's boil this water. Let's, let's come up with this. Let's come up with that, right? I would become a pragmatist right at the, the get-go. I would start to think of how we could solve the problems ourselves. But what does Moses do? Like he's done over and over again. He goes straight to God, right from the get-go. C.S. Lewis wrote that relying on God has to begin all over again every day, as if nothing had happened or yet been done. 
We need to be reminded of that. As Christ said, pick up your cross, he was saying, come to me every morning. Come to me every day. Begin your day in scripture. Begin your day in prayer. Look to God. Because what we see here is not necessarily the bitter water. But what we see is a bitterness in the hearts of the Israelites to so quickly have just witnessed this amazing, first off, 400 years in Egypt, and God frees them. Then they get to the Red Sea, and in, in panic and worry, what does God do? He separates the Red Sea. They see a miracle of astronomical, uh, you know, proportions but yet they get to the bitter water three days later and they're like we're gonna we're gonna uh you know thirst to death like forgetting what god had just done three days earlier and i think that's why moses is so specific in that it's because he wants to remind us how quickly we grow faint right like we come Sunday, we get rejuvenated, we're with our church family by Wednesday, and I, I thank God that Wednesday night's when we have missional community, because I'm ready to be renewed again. I've already become weary. My heart has already grown bitter. So be like Moses, in that every morning we turn to God in prayer. We look down that road, and we see that every individual situation God desires to be a part of. I know that's a temptation that I continue to fight every single day, and especially in ministry with Mark 12. I would love to come up with the solution, right? And I, I love the, the verse you read, you read uh, Alex. Because it's my favorite, but God, right? But God, get out of the way. God wants to do. God wants to provide. God wants to be a part. We just need to get out of the way. So be like Moses and pray. And so very quickly, God provides Moses cries out to the Lord, and the Lord shows him immediately the tree. And when he threw, threw it in the water, the water became drinkable. Now this part of God showing us that he is our healer is so very important. And so the next point is God is our healer. So we go to him in prayer, and he will heal us. So in John, if you'll turn with me, John 4, we got a lot of ref water references today. I'm going to go ahead and warn you right off, right off the bat. But in John 4, one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible, and the reason being is, 
is, isn't it just a reflection of God's mercy and love that he discloses himself first as the Messiah, not to a Pharisee, not to some rich ruler, not to even his disciples. Who does he reveal himself first to? But the woman at the well, a Samaritan, an unclean woman. And in, in, in John 4.10, Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And then on in, seven, or on in 13, Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give them will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. And so right here at this spring in Mar, God is first showing us the reflection of the difference between living water and this temporal water that we drink and become thirsty again. But God says to them here, he introduces to them the idea that I am your healer. I am the one who provides. As Jesus then reveals himself to the woman at the well, I am the one who provides living water. I am the one who provides salvation. But again, God in this shows grace. Very easily, he could have reprimanded his children. Rightfully so. Right? Just three days ago, I saved you. And now you're going to complain to me about some bitter water. Right? But no, what does he do? He has Moses throw the stick in the water to make it drinkable. And then reminds them. Right? And so this is the beginning of God showing us his mercy and his grace. And that we cannot do it. Because he says, pay attention to my commands and keep all his statutes. And I will not inflict any illness on you that I've afflicted on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. And so this is the time that God is introducing to us. That our salvation lays squarely on his grace. And on his mercy. Because realistically, the Lord realizes that the Israelites are not going to be able to keep his statutes, right? And keep his commandments. It's that first time we see God really laying out the plan that we need a Savior. And the Savior is his Son. And also something that we can again learn from this. And it is so difficult. It is so difficult to see it in the midst of our trials. Is that as the Israelites approach this problem. 
they approach it in grumbling instead of in joy. I'm going to take you guys to James, if you could turn real quick with me. And in James 1... is one of the probably most non-American things to think of in the world. James 1, 2, and 3, right? Is consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So we are to consider it great joy when we experience trials. And why do we think that is? Because God is amazing in our trials. God's amazing every day. But we oftentimes to forget to celebrate when things are going well. Because we'll see later on, as the Israelites continue in 27, then they came to Elm where there were 20 springs and 70 date palms, and they camped there by the water. Moses doesn't really dive into the amount of celebration they did when God provided for them, right? But he did point out their bitterness in the trials, So again, we need to remind ourselves that in our trials and in our troubles, as Moses prayed to God, whether it seems small, whether it seems large, because that is where we see how amazing God is. As humans, we sometimes forget how amazing our God is. And God does not present these trials. He does not tempt us, but he allows us to fall to them. He allows us to travel to that journey to those temptations. And then it's it's our choice. How do we then go about it? Do we call out on our Father and ask for him to intercede? Or do we, like so many times, try to wrestle through it ourselves? And that doesn't glorify anyone. But when we get on our hands and knees and pray to an incredible Father, and he steps in, then the glory is his. And he wishes to be glorified in everything we do. And the last point I want to make is that God provides in abundance. And what's amazing to this, in this this short little story, we see kind of everything play out. We see uh, the Israelites in, in grumbling. We see that God very quickly provides and heals But then he delivers them to respite, to peace. This is not Canaan. 
They've not arrived to their final destination, but God realizes that the Israelites are weary and so then delivers them to a a place where they can kind of get regenerated for the long journey, where they can camp next to the springs and and the palms, and they can get refueled. If you guys will turn with me to Matthew 11. We're looking at Matthew 11, uh, 28 through 30. And this is Jesus again speaking. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus gives us that rest. Jesus, after the trials, gives us that comfort and joy. And sometimes we we get confused and think happiness and joy are the same thing. But happiness is fleeting. Joy is experiencing a deep contentment. And that is what Jesus provides for us. And as we go along these trials throughout our lives, as God continues to work in our hearts so that we are closer to Him and that we are more like Christ, no, long, no matter how long the burdens, we find that our joy begins to increase because our joy is in Christ and not in what is here on this earth. We're not looking for the quick fixes. We're not looking for the easy way out. We're looking to Jesus for our joy. And when we find our real joy and our trust and rest in Christ, then these things of this earth become fleeting and far less important. And so in all of this, what I want to do is remind us of just how incredible our God is. Laura and I this week had an awesome opportunity to spend some time with some bivocational pastors uh, from our association. And we got to hear Dr. Uh, Chuck Lawless from Southeastern Seminary um, come and just Speak very briefly. I say briefly. We went through the first six books of Mark. Uh, but it was, it was incredibly encouraging. Um, but what he reminded us, me, about is we so quickly forget how amazing God is. And just how incredible he is. 
And, and as I was preparing for the sermon today, I just felt remiss if I did not share that as a reminder and an encouragement. Because what Dr. Lawless imparted with us as we were there with our, our brothers and sisters who are in ministry is that our nature is when we're amazed or excited about something, we talk about it, right? We get a new job, we talk about it. We get a new car, we talk about it. And those aren't really very amazing things. We have a, a, a God who created everything. And he wants to have a personal relationship with me and with you, with you, with everyone. He desires for us to want to get to know him more. It's amazing. And in the first few chapters of Mark, it's miracle after miracle after miracle. Right? And the people were amazed and amazed and amazed. But what is so amazing is that how quickly they then nailed him on a cross. But honestly, when we lose sight of God and we lose sight of Jesus, are we no better that we forsake him? But what's great is God expects it. And you know what? He's standing right there, open arms, waiting for you when you come back. What a loving God. What a loving God. And so I want us to walk away today thinking about how amazing our God is. And especially in this time in our world where things seem sideways. I also want to remind it, it's not as sideways as it has been in the past. Nate and I were talking last week before he, uh, um, before they went this weekend to go see Hannah. But we were talking about like our, our great heroes of the Reformation, Luther, John Calvin. And as a reminder, there was a black plague thing back then where one in five people died. You could count live, 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 dead. And we're in the midst of a pandemic in our world that does take lives. But should we not be compelled to then share the gospel with those who may tomorrow spend eternity? Well, they are tomorrow spending eternity somewhere. We have to be reminded that we are eternal Creatures, we are born into eternity. There's a point in our lives where that decision is made and where that eternity is going to be spent. We serve an amazing, merciful, loving God. And we need to be bold. And we need to be excited about sharing this wonderful story of a God who sent his son to live the perfect life, and to die on a cross. And not only feel the wrath that man could dish out, 
which was probably just a, a piece of sand compared to the wrath he, he had to take from his father, which was for all of our sins. All of our sins. To then conquer death and be raised in three days. It's a simple truth and a story to share to our friends and our loved ones and to those that we just pass in the grocery store. And so from this week and preparing the sermon and, and hearing things, I've again got energized about how do I live out the life that God has called me to live? To glorify Him in the things that I do, but to share the good news. To share with those who I care about, to share with those that I meet, that we have a God that loves us and wants to be close to us. And not only that, offers a way to spend eternity with him. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, to send your son for your creation. Lord, that we continue to, as your nation, grow weary quickly, forget often, and just downright screw up all the time. But God, you love us so much that you sent your son for us. Lord, just through faith by grace, we are saved. Lord, there's no hoops to jump through. There's no great deed that we must do. And honestly, Lord, there's nothing we could do to earn that. But God, it's through your love. As you've shown us in Exodus how much you loved your people and provided Lord, that you provide for us that way today. Let us not forget that. And God, be with us as we continue through life. Lord, that we seek encouragement through each other, through our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, but that we also share that great story, the good news of your Son. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. So every 